uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. We started out the beginning of the year uh, in the month of January, and we were preaching through this idea of order and, and uh, uh, making sure that our lives were in the proper order God would have for them. And so we finished that uh, series up in January, Missions Emphasis Month in February. And uh, I want to uh, take now the month of March and maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, depending upon how the Lord leads. Amen. And uh, I want to uh, preach on this faulty philosophies, faulty philosophies. And if we're not careful as Christians, uh, we can get caught up in faulty philosophies. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Uh, the world has a lot of philosophies, and a lot of them, but if they're from the world, they're all faulty. Amen? And uh, But you know what? That's why we have the Bible to lean to. We have the Word of God to lead us and direct us. And uh, we're going to take a look at some of these. And you know what? Truth be told, a lot of Christians can get wrapped up in faulty philosophies. And so, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you find your place, stand with me together as we read the first six verses of 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Bible says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord and, and, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, we're already blessed uh, from what we heard tonight from Brother Morgan. And God, thank you for uh, using him and his family to serve you. And God, I pray that you would help them and bless them. Now, Lord, meet with us tonight, God. We need to hear from you. Lord, the people didn't come to hear from me tonight, they come to hear from you. And I pray that through your word, you'd speak to us, you'd help us. God, you'd help us, uh, help make us be what we ought to be for you. Bless us, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Go and take your Bible now, and I want you to flip over to the book of Third John. Third John, and that of course is uh, right toward the end. Revelation, Jude, Third John. If you're starting from the back and going and reverse in order, there, Third John. And uh, again, we're going to look at this idea of faulty philosophies. If you notice there in our text in First Timothy, uh, of course, uh, Paul is warning the young preacher and is telling him that there's going to be some people that uh, all they want to do is give heed to fables and endless genealogies. And that's basically things that uh, aren't Bible doctrines, things that uh, uh, are not uh, what we need as far as sound doctrine. And what happens if you give uh, heed to those things? The Bible says this in verse 6, that some having, notice this, swerved. Amen? Now, if you're driving a car, you know what it means to swerve, all right? Like in my case, I swerve to hit a cat, amen, all right? I don't swerve to avoid them, I swerve to hit them, all right? No, just kidding, all right, sort of. But uh, uh, swerve like that, it means that you're all one way and you quickly change direction, all right? And if we're not careful, I'm going to tell you, folks, faulty philosophies can call us to swerve from the place God wants for us to be, amen? I love what Brother Morgan said. He's talking about uh, things we've, we've talked to recently, recently preached about the will of God. Listen, folks, Satan doesn't want you in the will of God. He wants you to swerve from that. And there's faulty philosophies that if we're not careful, if we get heed to, will cause us to swerve from the place God wants for us to be. Now, tonight, 
tonight we're going to look at the uh, look at a person in the Bible who uh, brought in a faulty philosophy to the church, and uh, who also uh, the, the the type of sin that this person was involved in, if if not careful, can damage a church to a large degree. And uh, we're going to talk about a man you've probably heard his name mentioned before, but in, uh, Second John, I'm sorry, Third John is a man named Diotrephes. Diotrephes. Uh, let's pick it up, if you will, in verse nine. Third John, verse nine. I wrote into the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he hath done, pratting against us with malicious words, not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Now this is a very uh, a, a brief description, if you will. But let me just say this. There was a lot of dangerous things happening in those three verses we just read. And there's this man named Diotrephes. Now this is the only mention in the Bible of him. But you know what? His, his, uh, his, his, what he was involved with, sad to say, has destroyed thousands of churches over the centuries and has done immeasurable harm to the cause of Jesus Christ. And, uh, here's was, here was the faulty philosophy Diotrephes had. And if we're not careful, we can give heed to, and that is this, that the church is a place for me to have the preeminence instead of the place for Christ to have the preeminence. Let me just stop and say this, folks, unapologetically, unashamedly, amen, at White River Baptist Church, we are doing everything we can to give Jesus Christ the preeminence, amen, amen. to lift Him up. The first message I ever preached from this pulpit four and a half years or five and a half years ago now uh, was uh, the message when uh, uh, the, the verse where Jesus said, and I and if I be lifted up will draw all men unto me. And let me tell you what our goal as a church is, is to lift up Christ. Amen? And listen, folks, we want Jesus Christ to be lifted up. We want Him to have the preeminence. But guess what? Satan doesn't. Amen? And Satan will uh, try to insert diatrophies and, and a spirit of diatrophies into a church. Uh, you know why? To rob Christ of His due place. So let's look at this for just a few moments tonight. We see very plainly in 3 John, verse 9, that diatrophies love to have the preeminence. Loveth to have the preeminence. I mean, you know, there's certain characters in the Bible. There's just certain sentences mentioned about them. How would you like that linked to your name? Amen? Loveth to have the preeminence. All right, and uh, that if you if you look up that word and that phrase, it means to be uh, fond of being first, ambitious to be the foremost in time, place, or order of distinction. Diotrephes was driven by a single ambition. He wanted to be viewed as the most important person in the church. He wanted to be the most important. Now, if you ask yourself, uh, is that a noble desire? Has, does God want us as individuals to seek to be the number one thing that the church is about? Well, you know what? That, that ought to be a duh question, right? Or a duh answer. But I'll be, I'll be honest with you folks. A lot of people, you know what? That's what they think it's about. They think it's about them. And so uh, what I want to do tonight is show you from the Scripture and just kind of, you know, make sure we all understand and we all agree together what this thing's about and who this thing's about, amen, and not allow a spirit of diatrophies to come into our life or the church of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus spent some time teaching on this exact subject because, surprise, surprise, He had to deal with it amongst His disciples. Right? I mean, you know, again, the disciples, they, 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 they end up being great men, but man, they sure didn't start there. 
Man, they were a rough bunch. But praise God. Isn't it amazing what God can take someone where they start at and where the work He does in their life and where they end up ending at? Amen? But man, there's a lot of rough spots that have to be chiseled off. Amen? And you know what? It was true in the life of the disciples. Uh, several times in the Gospels, uh, the disciples would go around and they would um, they would have a spirit of diatrophies. One of those places is in Luke chapter 9. Isaiah, here's, here, let me just read the verses to you. Then there arose a reasoning among them, the disciples, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto him, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Now notice the issue here, and this is very, very interesting. When did this issue begin to arise amongst the disciples? The Bible's very clear. It says this, they were reasoning among themselves. Now this sin, like all sins, begins in the same place. It begins in the mind. Begins in the mind. Too many Christians spend time measuring themselves against each other. Amen? Against each other. Let me say this, folks. This spirit of competition has no place in the local assembly. Questions like, well, who's the greatest usher? Who looks the well? <laughs> I'll tell you right now. We ain't looking over here, right? Who looks the best? Right? Who doesn't wear white socks with their suits? <laughs> now is wearing sunflower socks with their suits, right? No, good night. Help us, man. You know, who's the best? Who has the best singing voice? Who's the greatest giver? You know, I mean, all these different things. Let me tell you something, folks. These thoughts should never be publicly or privately entertained. Paul warned the, the carnal church at Corinth about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And again, this is what I call the tongue twister verse, but it's so true. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You know what Paul was saying to this carnal heathen church, this church that was not what it ought to have been for Jesus Christ, he was this, quit trying to look around and see who's better than everybody else. No, let's be honest, folks. You can always find someone worse than you are. You know, I mean, really. I mean, if you're trying to live a biblical, moral life, there's always people worse than you are. But guess what? People aren't the standard. Amen. We have a standard. We have a measuring stick, and we start comparing ourselves to that standard, we're going to realize real quick we ain't half as much as we think we are. Amen? Right? But listen, folks, it's not about comparing ourselves to others. It's about, truth be told, comparing ourselves to Christ and then doing what Jesus said to do. Isn't it interesting when Jesus was addressing this with His disciples? You know what Jesus did? He was a master at this. A master at using uh, illustrations to hammer home a point. What did Jesus do? He got a little child in the midst of them and, and began to instruct them saying, you know what, unless you uh, receive this child, when you receive this child, you receive me. He used a child as an example of what it was to, guess what, serve others. Amen? You know what God instructs us is uh, the way up is down. Amen? Instead of comparing ourselves among ourselves, we ought to find someone in need and get busy and serve them. And if we were busy serving, we wouldn't have time with this nonsense of looking around thinking, oh, am I better than this person? Is that person better than that person? That's nonsense, amen? That's a spirit of diatrophies. 
In Luke chapter 22, it happened again. And the disciples were, 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 again, the Bible says there was strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Again, it comes up, and it begins to cause strife. And folks, let me say this. A spirit of diatrophies will always, uh, always cause strife, envy, and jealousy in the church of Jesus Christ. It's one of Satan's tools in his toolbox to try to destroy the effectiveness of a church. Amen? He wants to split a church. He wants to come in and cause division. And he'll do that through the spirit of diatrophies. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. We, uh, in our uh, Sunday school class this morning, we, uh, every, every, before we start every class, we always have a Bible quiz. We go over different things of the Bible. And I tell the kids, this is called Sunday what class? School, that's right. Guess what we're going to learn about? The Bible, amen? And we're asking Bible questions, and we're reading through the book of Proverbs, the proverb uh, that corresponds with the day of the month. And guess what today was, right? Proverbs 13. And this was one of our questions this morning. Only by what cometh contention? Hey, good job, you listened, amen. All right, maybe I am the best Sunday school teacher, amen? No, just kidding, just kidding. Wicked as hell, wicked as hell, amen? Just kidding. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Amen? I'm going to tell you something, folks. If there's strife, if there's, if there's a envying and jealousy going on, I guarantee you, start sniffing around, you're going to smell brimstone and you're going to smell pride. Amen? Because it's always involved. So a diatrophies problem is a problem with pride. Now, Jesus didn't just tell the disciples and, and uh, get on to them about their strife and who was the greatest. He exemplified what it was to be great. Jesus exemplified it. By the way, think about this. This amazes me. In John chapter 13, one of the final acts of Christ in the upper room before He was betrayed and crucified was to try to eliminate out of the disciples' mind the worldly view of greatness. You know what he did again? Master at teaching. Master at illustrating. What did Jesus do? For sake of time, I'm not going to read it. But if you go to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, you can read what Jesus did. Well, what was the Bible says? He began to, uh, he took a towel and began to uh, get water. And what was he did? Jesus Christ, the master, the creator. What did he do? Wash their feet. If Jesus can do it, what's our excuse? If Jesus Christ, who, you know what, uh, uh, and, and He will, amen, well, we're going to serve Him for all eternity, but if He stooped Himself to the level, by the way, think about that for a minute, all right? All right, first of all, let's just establish this. Feet are nasty anyway, okay? All right, they just are. Now, they were nastier in those days because they didn't have white socks to wear with their dress shoes back then, amen? No, they wore sandals everywhere they went, right? I'm going to tell you, and it was, they didn't walk on paved roads, Okay, it was now, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, you know what it is when uh, uh, sometimes uh, maybe in the summertime you've been out with sandals and you come home and kick them things off and oh my goodness, right? Uh, they're black and nasty and horrible. Let me tell you, that's what it was like. That was not a pleasant job to be doing. But Jesus showed, you know what true servitude is? Finding someone, humbling yourself, and to, uh, that's what true greatness is, is, is finding someone, humbling yourself and serving them. Amen? And that's the opposite of a spirit of diatrophies. So we say this, uh, diatrophies love to have the preeminence. Second of all, diatrophies was jealous of those whom God had appointed as leaders. Again, we're talking about the, 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 the faulty philosophy of seeking to have the preeminence. Notice what it says back in 3 John, verse 9. Notice what it says, I wrote unto the church, 
but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, notice this, receiveth us not. Receiveth us not. Diotrephes was, thought he was the big shot in the church. He thought he could uh, usurp God's level of authority in the church. And he showed no respect and gave place to Paul's divine appointment as an apostle. His desire to be the foremost and the first caused him to attack anyone in the place of God-placed authority. He was jealous of the respect that people showed to Paul, so he sought to undermine the respect by verbally attacking God's man. The Bible says this in verse 10, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, Pratting against us with malicious words. Pratting, I said Paul, I meant John. Amen, John. And uh, pratting against us with malicious words. That word pratting, very interesting word. Look it up sometimes. Study it out. It's, it's mentioned in the book of Proverbs and other places. It's defined as a babbler or trifler. It means to berate idly or mischievously. And, and we see that he, 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 he pratted, then, the, then this phrase, malicious words, means hurtful, uh, vicious, harmful, wicked. And let me just say this, church, always be suspect of those who seem determined to verbally criticize those in God-called positions of authority. Amen? That's a spirit of diatrophies, and you got to be careful about that. And by the way, here's what I say. You know what? If someone has a problem with somebody else, here's the best thing to say, especially if someone in authority. You know what? Uh, well, let's just go to that person right now. Come on, I'll go with you, and, and let, let, let's figure out whatever problem you have with them. And you'll find out real quick, amen, what their true spirit is. But you got to be careful of that, amen, because Diotrephes was jealous of that and tried to undermine that. Now listen to me, folks, all right? I'm not going to stay here very long, but I'm going to say it because the Bible says it, all right? Listen, God is the one that established the order of the church, all right? He's the one that did it, okay? It's in the Bible. Listen, I didn't come up with this thing, okay? This isn't a Baptist doctrine. It's a Bible doctrine. Okay? Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. Amen? He's what this thing's about. He has the preeminence. But then He, in His divine order of authority... And by the way, there's always divine order of authority. It's all throughout the Scripture. Okay? In His divine order of authority, established an under-shepherd under the chief shepherd. And that is the pastor of the local church. And all throughout the Scripture, the pastor is mentioned in, in different uh, uh, terms. You might find the word bishop. You might find the word elder. You'll find the word pastor. They refer to the same position. Alright? And that's the way God established it. Now that does not mean, and I've always said this and I will always say this, that does not mean that the pastor has absolute sole authority in the church. It is not a dictatorship. It's not. I've been accused of that, by the way. <laughs> Being a dictator. No, we're just following the biblical pattern of pastoral authority. Amen? Okay? Now listen, here's what I always say, folks. Listen, the people hold the pastor accountable to the Word of God. And if the pastor steps out of line, you, the people, have the power, based upon the Constitution and the Word of God, to, to handle it scripturally and not allow the pastor to lead a church in an ungodly direction. Read the Constitution. It's in there. Okay, And listen, folks, this is not ultimate authority. The pastor's the dictator, the pastor's the king, and, and the people are the peasants. That is a wicked, unbiblical view of how a church is supposed to be. And you know what? If, if, if I was going to a church with that kind of philosophy, I wouldn't go to a church like that. I would not subject myself or my family to that type of ungodly leadership. Okay, that's not scriptural. But I will say this, uh, pastoral authority is scriptural. Amen? And the pastor, under the authority of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and, and uh, through the counsel 
of the men of the church and then uh, eventually when the, with, with the deacons and those in the church, lead the church, set the direction, amen? And that's the way God has set it up. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. And Diotrephes was undermining that, undercutting that. You know why? Because he was interested in him having the preeminence. Let me just say this, folks. All right? I'm going to say it loud and clear. I'll say it unashamedly. This church is not about me. Guess what? This church isn't about you. You know what this church is about? It's about Jesus Christ and the cause of Christ. That's what it's about. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, as long as I'm the pastor, we're going to lift him up. Amen? We're going to keep going that direction. Because we don't want that kind of wicked, ungodly spirit in the church. And then we see this. Diotrephes tried to eliminate from the church anyone who would not grant him the preeminence he coveted. Notice what it says in verse 10. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself, listen to this, receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Who did this guy think he was? You know, he, he was the one that well was looking at people, and if they didn't go along with him, then you know what? You're out of here. That is wicked as hell. Amen? No wonder we have a portion of the Scripture dealing with this faulty philosophy. Amen? Eliminated those who would not give him the power that he craved. And we see that he wasn't just content in attacking uh, uh, John's divine authority, but he also was determined to drive from the church anyone who had a scriptural respect for the Apostle John. He wanted them out. Now again, folks, you can determine a lot by people, by how they act and what they say. You gotta be real careful those subtle, uh, behind the scene comments and, and those types of things because it's a revealer of the heart. Amen? You know what? Good Christians are loyal first and foremost to Jesus Christ. They're loyal to their church. They're loyal to their pastor. And you know what? If someone tries to come up against those things, they stand up for it. Amen? Let me just encourage you. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for what's right. Don't let anyone mouth off about your Savior. Hey, by the way, He wasn't ashamed of you. Do we even need to go and talk about what he went through? Let me tell you, when we read the crucifixion story and think about the uh, crucifixion story, all right, we kind of make it not quite as bad as it really was. Listen, folks, you read it. You read what they... I mean, Jesus Christ was shamed in every way a person could be shamed. He was shamed. And he did it because of his love for us. Now, if he could do that for us, what's our problem? Standing up to some uh, moron bad math and at work. By the way, you know what I found out about most people is this. If you have a testimony that backs it up, and someone is talking about your Lord, and you say to them, hey, listen to me, that's my Savior you're talking about. He died for me. I love Him. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mouth off about Him that way. You know, if you would say that, most people, at least what I found out, you know what they'll do? They'll apologize and respect that. Now, you might have some that won't, but you know what that just gives you more opportunity to do? It gives you more opportunity to turn your preaching up a little bit louder. Amen? Right? And to witness. And anytime they want to start cursing around your Savior, start preaching the gospel to them. Amen? All I'm saying, folks, is this. There are certain things that's worth standing up for, and our Savior's one of them. Amen? Listen, you trash my church, I'm saying something about it. By the way, it's not my church, it's Christ's church. 
Right? And God's doing some great things here. And I'm not going to be in people's face, you know, uh, you know, just, just being a jerk about it. But if someone's going to verbally attack my church to my face, you better believe I'm standing up about it. Amen? Yeah. Come on, folks. There are certain things we need to stand up for. And uh, if, if there's a, a spirit of diatrophies, we need to squash that thing out. Amen? Now, what happened because of this faulty philosophy? Huge price was paid for. And by the way, if we're not careful and we give in to faulty philosophies, there will be huge prices to pay for it. As we look at some of these examples over the next few weeks, let me tell you where a lot of these prices were paid in the families of those who had the faulty philosophies. Again, folks, Satan knows what he's doing. Okay, Daddies, listen to me. We are the, the protecting gate of our homes, and he understands that if he can sneak something past you, he's got an open door to your wife and to your children. And we as men have got to be strong and stand up for some of this stuff. Amen? So what happened here? Diotrephes adversely influenced some of the members of the congregation. Of course he did. Sometimes good people allow themselves to be unduly influenced by someone possessed by the spirit of diotrephes. Proud, preeminent-seeking church members often lead astray new converts or weak carnal Christians. Only eternity will reveal how much potential good has been destroyed in churches because of the, uh, the presence of a diatrophies. I'm not, I wouldn't even do it, but I could stand up here and tell you stories of churches, good churches that were destroyed because of a spirit of diatrophies in that church. Led people astray. By the way, think about this, alright? We all have heard this term before, church split. Okay? That's not a good term, by the way. That's a horrible thing when that happens. Right? You know what usually causes a church split? A diatrophies. Right? A diatrophies. And sadly, people are influenced by that. Not only that, diatrophies was publicly rebuked by the apostle here. Publicly rebuked. And we know this rebuke was rendered under divine inspiration, by the way, because it's included in the canon of Scripture. Out of all the things that the Holy Spirit allowed uh, under inspiration, allowed this rebuke to a diatrophies. By the way, John was right in rebuking him publicly. Publicly. Many times the diatrophies will secretly attack a man of God verbally and then try to play the victim when the pastor rebukes him publicly. By the way, you know what that reveals? Hypocrite. Romans chapter 16, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Yes, you have God's permission to judge, all right, if you want to use that word. I mean, come on, marking somebody? All right, you mark them, and then you know what you do? Avoid them. If there's someone that's dragging you down spiritually, all right, someone with the spirit of diatrophies, someone, as the Bible says, is causing division and offenses contrary to the doctrine. By the way, I'm not talking about people that just, you know, do things a little different. We're talking about someone that is open and blatant in trying to destroy a church. That's what we're talking about here. You know what you need to do? You need to mark them and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, but their own belly. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You know why sometimes they need to be public rebuke? You know, because the Bible says, if you smite the scorner, the simple will beware. Alright? Some things need to be done publicly because uh, it, was, it was done in such a way to where it's harming and hurting people. Amen? Alright? Not only that, diatrophies is forever linked in the Scripture with evil. Did you see what it read there? Well, what the verse read in verse 11? Notice this. Beloved, talking about the church, follow not that which is what? Evil! So you know what we can read about and, and, and deduct here from the Scripture? that a spirit of diatrophies is an evil spirit. It's an evil spirit. 
And you know what the Bible says, very clear here, follow not that which is evil. Amen? And when you think of diatrophies, you think of that word, you think of troublemaker, you think of someone trying to bust up a church, you think of someone that's evil, and that name is always linked to that. And then last of all, we see this, diatrophies forever serves as an example of the church member to avoid. Amen? To avoid. Let me just say this, uh, uh, church, listen to me. If anyone's trying to get you and trying to talk you out of, uh, uh, like we talked about this morning, that relationship you have with Jesus Christ and trying to drive a wedge in that relationship, you ought to mark them and then you ought to run from them like the plague. Amen? And you ought to pray that uh, God will deal with that. Because I'm telling you, folks, listen to me. You can't afford to have your spiritual life destroyed because someone's praying upon you. Amen? And you as a Christian have got to be aware of these things. That's why it's so important. Like I said this morning, you as a Christian have a daily walk with God. You're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're filled with the Spirit of God and somebody starts in on this nonsense, real quick you'll be able to pick up on it. Amen? You better pick up on it. So faulty philosophies, the spirit of diatrophies, where uh, a person would think that the church is a place for them to have the preeminence instead of a place for Christ to have the preeminence. And folks, again, you know what? As White River Baptist Church, that's what we're going to do around here. Amen? We're going to put Jesus Christ first. We're going to give Him the place He deserves. We're going to lift Him up. We're going to follow His Word. Amen? Because that's what this thing's about. Lifting up Christ and making sure that He has the preeminence. Let's pray.